today is Thursday, June 8th, 2023. Wow, the, the days are scrolling on by. Uh, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast, by the way. I'm your host, Nate. Today, aliens totally exist. Well, maybe. We think, probably. Uh, anyways. Best ways to argue for God. Not the best arguments for God, but the best ways to argue for God. Uh, whether that pre-sup, uh, philosophical, very clever arguments, uh, I don't know, tricking people, or just straight up preaching the gospel. Um, LGBTQIA BIPOC 2 Spirit Plus topics um, <laughs> take up a lot of the discussion. Um, it's reasonable, and there's not really any yelling. So, you know, if anything can be said, that. Um and then we talk into the Canadian pastor, I, I already forgot his name, we say it a bunch of times in here, I forgot already, um, about him getting arrested for, quote, hate speech in Canada uh, for speaking out against LGBTQIA, BIPOC, Two-Spirit, P, I guess now is added, uh, plus um, communities and community events. So he held true to his faith. Uh, we can't actually find out what the guy said. It just says, quote, hate speech. But... Um, Anyway, so if anyone else, there's your challenge, can find out the, the words he literally said, I would be really curious to know. So that's the discussion. You know, at what point is it persecution? At what point is the Christian just bringing it on themselves? Um, anyway, so we talk about that. Like Peter says, uh, you should be, you know, if you're going to be persecuted, let it be suffering for Christ, not because of something you do that's not Christ-related. So, you know, someone says it aggravated assault because he, like, shoved and pushed his way to the front of an event. Well, if he's, like, kicking babies out of the way, yeah, I get that. That's bad. He deserves what he got. But if he's just, like, like a crowded theater or a hallway, you're like, oh, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me, and you're just, like, politely trying to weave through the crowd, then no, that's overstep, which we also don't really know because it just says hate speech and assault. So um, that's very subjective. I, I would be curious to know. Apparently, he's back in court today, so we're going to follow that and see what happens tomorrow with him. Um, then someone asked the question, why are Christians so weak, especially in America? And on one hand, I totally agree. Um, on the other hand, it's not like we should are supposed to be like forcing a theocracy and you know like burning witches at the stake. So I, I try to parse through where he is going exactly with that. But as far as weak, yes, we should be bold in our convictions. We should be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with conviction and not shy away from it and not back down. If people say you can't say that, that's hate speech. Um, fortunately, it hasn't come to America to that degree yet. But if it does, and it probably will, then yes, we should stick to our guns and be like, look, if you want to know what the Bible calls a sin, congratulations, that's a sin. So are all these other things. They're all sin. So if you say that's hate speech, then sorry. Uh, my allegiance is to God. Um, that being said, we should not go out of our way to, you know, assault people or, you know, like, like imprison people um, who don't care about our God or what sin is. So, um, that's the line. Jesus, you know, says, go preach, preach the gospel, tell people if they want to learn about Jesus, by all means, disciple them, stay, share as much as they want to know, as much as you can tell them. But if they reject your message, if they don't care what you're talking about, shake the dust from your feet as a testament against them, and they're responsible to God, not you. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, not us humans. So that's the lesson for today. Um, I hope you enjoy this. It's a good dialogue, really good discussion. Um, check out the Ask a Christian book. On Amazon, check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, support this broadcast, and you can also click on the donate button and just straight up help us out financially. We appreciate it. Um, and please also share these links on social media. Maybe some more people would benefit from these discussions. So take care, and we'll see you next time. I don't know how much in American media you're into, but 
All right, how do I say this without going full tinfoil? Okay, so without going all conspiracy theory for a second, we can all probably unanimously agree that, you know, governments are corrupt and hide stuff from their people. And there's probably a lot more knowledge on this earth than governments have let the general populace know. Is that a good starting point? I think there is, I, I, in, in the, in the, in the broader sense, yes. In the more focused sense, I think there is stuff that goes on behind the scenes that is, maybe I won't qualify the answer. Yes, I think I agree. Okay. So now let's get weird. So, um, Apparently now it's going around. I, I don't have any sources. I don't know anything like they, they said it on, on the thing I heard, but I don't remember what that was. It was like a talk show that they heard on a talk show, but they played the clip. So anyways, maybe maybe Google will be your friend here. But um, I, I was listening yesterday and apparently like some some whistleblower in like the military that was in like the I, I don't know, like CIA or some high military thing for like forever um, has come out and like been going everywhere, like telling people for whatever reason now that. Yes, there is actual, like, you know, extraterrestrial life. And, like, I, I don't know if they were specifically talking about Roswell, but they were saying, like, back in the, like, for decades now, like, there, there have been, like, complete not of this planet spacecraft, and the military has been using it and, like, dissecting it over, like, decades to get, like, you know, new, better technology and stuff like that. And apparently, their claim is this inside government person, um, you know, is now, like, yeah, there's bodies. They're not earthly bodies. They came from somewhere not Earth. So apparently aliens exist, right? And it's like the guy knows that he sounds insane as he's saying that. But I thought, you know, I don't know. It wouldn't be the craziest thing we've ever heard. So with that color, um, if any of that was true, like if like 20% of that was true, um, I wonder how that would color people's interpretations whenever they're like, give me proof of your religion, whatever religion, right? Maybe this is the time God's disproven. I mean, you know, I don't think Christianity is wrong at all, but just in the interest of never say never. Like, what if there's plenty of straight up evidence that would convince like almost everyone of the existence of, you know, God or the she of the universe or whatever is true. If like the governments of the world weren't like conspiring to keep this knowledge hidden from the people for whatever reason. So I don't know. I mean, that's that's like another argument from like, you know, no evidence. But I mean, it, it's not a horrible idea to think about. It's like, maybe there is all this evidence. People are like, where's your evidence for your God? Where's your evidence for the absence of God? Maybe God's totally disproven. And, you know, it's just been kept a secret for whatever reason to control the masses. So that doesn't seem like a horrible thing. Maybe a lot of people demanding evidence, they actually have evidence. They'll just never know because it's been hidden from us by, you know, our overlords. Well, um, Okay, a bunch of a bunch of things. So, first of all, in a, in the most charitable sense, the existence of alien species. So, I am I'm convinced that there is life out there somewhere. Um, I can't imagine anything more egotistical than it's just us. Um, given the given the expand, like we can't even see. <laughs> so so like so much of it. So. We can't talk. We can't talk intelligently about what we can't even observe. Um, if, and if you do, you're just making stuff up. Uh, so I'm, I'm convinced there's other life out there. Um, bodies and stuff. This would be. This is very curious because it's. It would also be incredibly. Um, like it, it was one of the things that was always funny about Star Trek is all the aliens were always humanoid, or almost all of the aliens were humanoid. And it's like, 
who's to say that that's how it would be? Now, if if the God hypothesis is true, and there are all of these other worlds out there, and God's responsible for creating life on all those other worlds, then maybe, then then maybe they would all be hominid um, or hu- humanoid in nature. Um, but so okay, so so that that's one side of it. Now, I but I think what would I think what would have to be the case, given what you just said, if it is the case that we were being deceived by earthly forces, governments, you know, you know, secret government agencies, um, then it seems to me fair and reasonable that we would not be held accountable by any deity for what we didn't have the capacity to know. Um, Because it wouldn't be our fault, you know, to have this stuff hidden from us. Um, Do I think it's the case that governments have this stuff? No, I don't think so. Um, Because it would, what it would mean is generational conspiracies, right? Um, And... I think there would be too much attraction for somebody to get famous by taking that picture and leaking it somewhere, right? Um, so I, I don't think it's the case that there actually are bodies or things like that. Um, could it be the case? Sure. But I don't think so. And that being said, um, I, I totally love our government, uh, all of them, and you oppress us for our own good. I, I understand that, and I appreciate the oppression, so thank you. Uh, total support. Um, is, that, is, that your way right. of appeasing, is that your way of appeasing the overlords? Yes. <laughs> because I mean it all. I'm so happy they oppress knowledge for our good. I am, am so happy that they are caretaking over us. It is interesting. Right. It is interesting. Like, is there, would there, be, it's an interesting question to ask. Is there stuff that, is there not, like, is there not, like, is there acquired knowledge that agencies, governments, whatever have acquired that, do, do you think there would ever be a good reason to keep information from the public in the in the interest of what they believed was protecting us um so let me be a hypocrite i don't don't think i don't think so i i think that i i like i'll answer the question first before i ask you you to answer it i don't think it's reasonable because it seems to me that that way you're taking too much of a parental view like have you know because some of the people you aren't going to tell are also maybe other experts in fields that could actually help if they knew. Uh, yeah, so I'll be a hypocrite real fast. So um, I agree with you that there's no reason to keep information from people. Um, that being said, if I was in charge of the government, then I would probably keep certain information from people. <laughs> um, so, you know, if I'm, if I'm on the outside, then more information is better and I want to know everything. Um, but I, I do understand an argument that, dep- I mean, you know, who knows? We don't even know what we're talking about. But depending on what, the information is that we would like to keep from people. Um, I mean, it could cause mass hysteria or panic and, you know, like get everyone in such a frenzy that just horrible things happen. Um, so, I mean, 
I get, which by the way, may not be bad. Some things like extreme corruption or something like that, even though bad things would happen and countries would get overthrown. Um, it would be bad. It would be upsetting, but it may be also the right thing to do. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I understand the argument. Um, but me not being in control? <laughs> no, I want all the information available. All of it. Just give it all to me. Yeah, it's like you hear about, you know, the whole, um, and I, this was that, yeah, um, that movie, uh, Deep Impact, right? Where, like, you know, oh, there's, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a meteor coming. Well, we're not going to tell people because, you know, they can't handle it. Oh yeah, like Armageddon. Is that the, the plot of Deep Impact too? Because I know I know um, that was also Armageddon. Like how yeah, they can't tell everyone. They're trying to keep it hush hush. Yeah, yeah. I think I yeah. Basically, you know, same, same, uh, same thing, different flavor. Basically, great movie. Yeah, I enjoyed both. I enjoyed both of them. Uh, well, well, is that is that it? Anyone got a question about Jesus or something? I don't know. <laughs> Mr.'s down there. Maybe bring him up. We'll talk more about Presa. <laughs> oh, is it Mr. from yesterday? Is it the same guy? Or is that someone else? Um, I think it? I think it is. I mean, I, I only see, like, I only recognize him as Mr. The profile picture is different, so I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to talk about Presa. Um, I mean, it's worthy of a 10-minute conversation. What, um, what are, I, I mean... Oh crap! Did you want to? <laughs> no, no. I'm just curious. Like, did you want to? Ex because you you shared like you shared generally, and I was curious if like if if there is anything else going on. If you wanted to expound on it, like, so you said essentially that you agree with kind of you agree with part of it, but not necessarily like the end, but not necessarily the means is what I took from it. Well, so, I mean, I agree. Well, I agree with all the precepts because I'm a Christian, so these are already my presuppositions. So when I have to accept the two big premises, there is a God, check, and this God, you know, the Bible is God's written word to us. Well, check. Like, I, I, those are my presumptions even before I knew what presuppositional apologetics were. So it's like, oh, well, do you agree with this? Yes. Do you agree with this? Uh, yeah, that sounds great. That's what a Christian believes. Um, but then it's like, okay, well, now go make other people believe this. It's like, well, wait, hey, hang on. Why? Like, how? So that's my problem. It's nothing wrong with, with how it's presented because I, I, I mean, nothing's wrong with, with the nuts and bolts of it because I agree. Like as a Christian, like I think most Christians will agree with presuppositional apologetics. Um, it's just, should we use that to present to people who do not accept those presuppositions? And then, it, I mean, it seems like, you know, like we talked about yesterday. Um, oh, he wants to come to the stage. <laughs> come on up, mister. Um, so it seems like yesterday, the, the whole goal of presuppositional apologetics is instead of just like preaching the gospel of Jesus and, you know, letting God do his work, um, this approach, not that it can't be, God can't be using this somehow, but it seems like the approach is to show them how this worldview, how these two big asks are more reasonable than the non-Christian worldview. So, I mean, I, I get, I understand it. It makes sense, but I've never been in a position where I've ever seen it work on someone because usually it's just like, well, how, who are you to say my worldview is better? And how are you to say my worldview is better? And it usually gets to you know a bunch of like truth claims, right? And it's like, well, you can't have your worldview. What is truth? You can't know truth without this. You can't know truth without this. And it's just it's just positing a bunch of claims. Like unless you unless the Christian God, then you don't know what morality is. You don't know what truth is. You don't know what existence is. It's like okay, well, I can also say that about you know um, Shiva. 
unless you know, you don't understand truth unless you believe Shiva exists because all truth flows from Shiva. Um, so it's, it's just like back and forth, like, I know you are, but what am I type thing? Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Have you ever have you ever read any of Bonson or Van Til's stuff, or or watched uh, any of the YouTube videos that they have out there for them? I, I've read some stuff by Van Til. I don't remember a thing about it though. It's been years. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, essentially, and this is something that that uh, that Greg Bonson. There's a whole bunch of video series available um, uh, of Greg Bonson, basically, and I. It's my understanding that. Cornelius Van Til was not a fan of where Greg Bonson took his his ideas, um, but but that was my inter- <clears throat> me, that's my interpretation. I could be wrong, um, but what I took of it is is that he wasn't a, wasn't a huge fan. But but what 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 Greg Bonson basically said was is is this is this is essentially to shut the mouth of the, shut shut the mouth of the unbelievers, right? Just to basically. Say, you know, that you, you know, you, yeah, like what you said, you can't know anything. And when I, when I, one of the conversations I had with Saiten Brugenkate, <clears throat> well, you know, I said, you know, I said exactly, like almost verbatim what you said, except I didn't use Shiva, I used, I think Allah or Brahman or something like that, but <laughs> pretty damn close. And, uh, and his answer to that was, well, if you want to hitch your horses to that wagon, that's fine, but I wouldn't recommend it. Um, and, 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 th- and that's the hard part is that, is that you, you get them to a point where, where you show them, where, where you show them an equivalent an equally valid argument. And they just basically say, well, you could do that if you want to, but you know, not a good idea. Basically like, you know, I wouldn't do that. You'll get in trouble if you do that. Don't, you know, don't cross the streams, uh, kind of, kind of argument. Uh, well, mister, um, what's up? Hey, good morning. Good morning. So we're talking about. Did you want to respond to any of this? Um, yes, because nobody okay. else has anything else, so this is all their fault. I blame all of you people listening. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Mister. Yeah, yeah, because I, I was in a room yesterday, and John Lee and Johnny, I, I believe, from the way they were doing their apologetics, it, it comes from a presuppositionalist framework, and to me, that's probably the best way to go about it since we already talked about this before we all have worldviews or presuppositions that guide us and ideology and faith um I, i'm just wondering has there ever been an atheist because i you go into these rooms or talking philosophy and they start going deep into all these different type of concepts and deduction and laws of logic has anyone turn to faith and maybe they have based on an argument of reason when it when it comes to maybe the ontology of god or was it just they put their faith in it because you also need faith to be an atheist you also need faith to say that your ancestor was on bacteria that evolved into a fish that evolved into a monkey right so there's faith in saying um something came out of nothing right so we both have faith one is using science which which is only um one method of discerning what is true or what what is reality but there's some things that science cannot explain so it's like the naturalistic framework that the atheists start with 
And if they can't get past that, they're never going to be able to see God, right? I mean, for the record, I think philosophical arguments are, I don't know which one I would put above the other, but I hate deep philosophical arguments because it's like, <laughs> here's the biblical wisdom. Like it talks about, you know, don't quarrel over words and don't think you're so like high and mighty in your own wisdom and stuff like that. Because it's like, I mean, it says it's like one translation says like, it's a cancer and ruins everyone who listens. And every time someone starts like getting like into like big philosophical arguments, not like a couple philosophical points, right? Like, are you a half glass empty or half glass full person? I mean, that's some useful philosophy. But once they start going super deep and using like super esoteric, like, you know, understanding and jargon and all this stuff, um, it's just like, I am being ruined right now. Like no one's life is being better by this. Even the people who are actually want to have this discussion, they think it's it's useful, but it's not. How many times have they gone around this merry-go-round, merry-go-round and nothing changes? Like these are awful arguments for, for anything really. But I mean, like, especially for Christ and the existence of God. It's like, and this is for Rich yesterday. He's like, when Nate gets frustrated, he screams, repent and believe the gospel. Because I think that's the basic thing, right? Like I, I understand more and more like, the seemingly crazy person, like, you know, walking around with the, like a billboard strapped to them uh, down the road that's like just has a crazy look in their eye and it's like, repent, the end is near, repent, the kingdom of heaven is here. Like, I understand that more and more. Like, maybe the reason they look a little out there is because they've had these deep philosophical conversations so long and realize it's absolute nonsense. So there's like, oh my gosh, John the Baptist had it right. Like, wearing like camel skins, eating bugs, like preaching repentance. Like, I get it. And then for some reason, people are like, well, why should I believe based on your testimony? Or why should I believe just because you talk about a God? That's that's the mystery, right? How can people not with human understanding come to this conclusion, God, no matter how many arduous conversations had about it? But then someone could just be like, hey, there's a Jesus who died for your sins and loves you. And if you repent, stop doing what's wrong, turn to what's right, follow Jesus. You must be born again. Ask him for eternal life. You'll receive it. And something about them with no evidence like hits them in the heart. Um, not through literally being hit in the heart, but there's like, wow, I, I don't know. I can't explain this. And that's where we would say no one comes to the father unless the spirit draws them. So I would say that's the Holy Spirit, like, you know, kind of nudging them in the right direction. And that's how it happens more times than people just being cleverly argued into something. That's my two cents. So it's interesting. So I think what we learned from this is that Nate's going to be the crazy guy with a sandwich board in 20 years. Um, oh, was I ambiguous? Yes, that's probably going to be me in like less than less time than that. Less than that. Okay. But uh, Mr. You said a bunch of really interesting things. So I guess, okay. So the first question that I would have for you is, um, and this is, this is not my original question. It was originally asked of somebody else. And I'm curious as to what you think. So, is it your belief that God created everything? Yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah. Was there pre-existent material for God to work with? Or did he will it into existence? He willed it into existence. So ironically, um, you're the one who thinks everything came from nothing. I don't. <laughs> so that's the first point. Um I, I've never, I've never talked to, and I've, I've spoken, I've had the privilege of speaking to a lot of scientists, uh, people like um, Richard Dawkins and Lawrence Krauss and others. Um, and I, I've, I've never, I've never spoken to, I've never spoken to a scientist who's ever spoken to a scientist who thinks everything came from nothing. 
Um, we, we don't know how things got going. You know, like if, if you like the Big Bang is, is kind of the current accepted model. The Big Bang was actually a phrase quoted by um, a Christian, not by, a, not by an atheist. Um, but th- that seems to be the best model. Right? We, can, we can use high-powered telescopes to look back in time. And we can see very close to Planck time, but we can't see all the way there. So, so, so the best answer we can give is we don't know. But, but, there, but there aren't any, certainly aren't any cosmologists who think everything came from nothing. Lawrence Krauss wrote a, wrote a book, A Universe from Nothing. But if you, if you read his, his, his book, if you actually read that book, you'll understand what he means by nothing. And it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek uh, title that he used. So that's one thing. You also said something very interesting that you said before. And I, I'm not a scientist, but I kind of corrected you on before. You said basically pond scum became a fish, became a monkey. That violates the law of monophyly. You're, you're posing, you are posing a, a hypothesis that evolution would not actually allow for. Right, like fish for one. Fish is not even a taxonomical term; it's chordate. So, you are like, and and I understand, right, kind of where where you're coming from, because I I used to be where you are, and you say you used to be where I am. But these are these are arguments that are not going to get you anywhere, and they're certainly not going to forward conversation. To so something that Nate said on on the philosoph- from a philosophical perspective. I agree. I'm not a philosopher. I understand the utility of philosophy, but the reality is, is that anybody can put together a syllogism, right? A couple of premises and a conclusion, and it can be structurally valid and it can still be wrong because in order for a syllogism to, in order for a conclusion to follow, the premises must also be valid, meaning true. It doesn't just have to be a, um, a valid argument. So I completely agree. And I, and I think, again, understanding the utility of philosophy, I get it. But I think a lot of times you can get spun down into a rabbit hole that will more often, in my humble opinion, stifle conversation than forward it. And I get down off my soapbox. Yeah, so well, can I jump Michael, in here? Well, I, hang on, I, hang on yeah. real, real fast. I just want to jump in real quick. First of all, um, Michael, I, I meant to ask you, um, how are the, are you near the Canadian fires? Is it smoky where you are? Yeah, actually, but I feel actually the the way the wind is. So a short answer, yes. But my understanding is from the wind patterns, there's like New York is getting it way worse than we are. And California is, has it horrendously. So the, so yes, a little bit, but nowhere like nowhere near some of the other uh, portions. So it's bad in Nova Scotia, which is about 1500 kilometers east of us. And it's really bad in Alberta which is about 2,000 kilometers west of us. Okay. And I think uh, Steph said she was getting some smoke uh, from you, so I believe you owe her reparations. Um, let me just uh, tie up a couple quick things real fast, uh, unless you want to get out your checkbook and give your credit Well, she can come visit a doctor here that. for free. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, just to say one more thing about the um, – I, I always keep thinking because I love the Bible. I mean, surprise, right? Christian loves the Bible. But it's so it's – so, uh, apropos for certain things um like in corinthians 120 that's kind of where it's going from where is the wise person where is the teacher of the law where is the philosopher of this age has god not made foolish the wisdom of this world for since in the wisdom of god uh 
for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. Uh, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to those who believe. So, I mean, that's Bible speak for what I said, right? Like repent, believe Jesus, that's it. And then what mysterious thing happens that people are like, oh, I get it. And thousands of hours of YouTube philosophers and scholars will never do. Um, anyway, there was that. And then the last thing I'll say, and then Mr. You can, oh, and uh, Lamad, yeah, you can get in here too after Mr. But um, was whenever people talk about, you know, something came from nothing, I get it. Like we're, I think both sides are more aligned than not. And I, it perplexes me why people don't see that. So the big bang, right? People will go back to the singularity. And they, they won't say something came from nothing. They would say, I believe, not a cosmologist, but I believe, they would say some, the Big Bang came from the singularity. So it didn't come from nothing. It came from, well, you don't know where, but I mean, if there was a singularity, that's something, no matter how super small it is. But all this stuff was spewed forth from, from what, another dimension, from some other point of existence, some other world? Like, we don't know. But I mean, I, I wouldn't say they exactly say something came from nothing. You could say something came from something very, very, very small or from something in a completely different way that may as well mean nothing. Um, and just like God, like we also, like when you said Christians believe something came from nothing because God wills it. Well, much like the singularity, if we say, you know, everything came from God willing it, well, there is still a God to will it. So there is still something. So in both cases, no matter how small or how, you know, spiritual versus physical realm, there is still something that I think everyone would say came from. So I don't think anyone, I don't think, would say this stuff came from nothing. They would just say it came from, you know, something, no matter how how small. Um, yeah, Mr. Go ahead and respond to Michael, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. So then the atheists would have to explain what created a big thing. Even if they have that singular um, source of where time, space, material came into play, they saw to explain what created this big explosion, you know, so they, they have to also satisfy that criteria. And I, I do love that you gave that Bible verse. I, I'll give you one more as well, and then I'll shut up, but see to it. And this is Colossians chapter two, verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So it just breaks that down perfectly. The wisdom of this world is foolish, right? The fool knows in his heart that there is no God. So all of these debates, I, I never, I never seen anyone change their mind after a debate, all these YouTube debates, clubhouse debate, maybe like one person out of a million, maybe, but no one, gets convinced based on human reasoning humans are emotional so you gotta get to the heart well what i've seen well yeah thanks for that and what i've seen is people who um who do get swayed and change their mind usually also change their mind again in a very short amount of time exactly <laughs> so i i mean uh, and we'll see you know there are like atheist muslim and christian is, is like the gamut so when you find someone that is compelled by these arguments and like you know clever conversations um, that that's like the gamut they usually go through. Like wherever they start, they, they usually make the full run. Atheist, Christian, Muslim. So wherever they start and wherever they end, that, that can be different because we usually lose track of them probably because they check themselves in somewhere um, from just too much emotional turmoil. But um, that, that's what I've 
seen. Um, someone that can be swayed is going to keep being swayed. But Michael, not to play, uh, Lamad, we'll get you in here right in a second, but to, to play Michael's advocate for a second. <laughs> um, if they say the Big Bang, it seems reasonable to say, like for some reason, there, there was these pinpoints or these singularities somewhere because reasons. And it became like something on the other side or wherever this stuff spewed forth from became so overloaded that the seams just burst. And that's what caused it. I think an equally plausible thing to say is this singularity, whatever that was, um, was just kind of hanging out, doing its thing. And God said, let there be light. And maybe that's what caused the seams to burst and stuff to spew forth from this singularity. Um, so I, I, I think... And of course, that's not going to be a popular opinion among people who take that approach. But I don't think it's a bad hypothesis. Uh, well, but uh, Lamad, yeah. what's up? Uh, uh, well, go no, ahead, real quick. No, yeah, just yeah, just quickly, yeah. So, like, we have no. I mean, the the multiverse hypothesis because it it is still hypothesis because we have no way to to demonstrate it or test it or even observe it. Right? We can't know what's beyond. Um, but I wanted to touch on what what you said um, uh, a moment ago. Actually, what what you and what Mister said. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad we found a point of agreement when it comes to kind of sticking strictly to philosophy. So I'm glad we have a point of agreement. Um, but, Mr., you, you said something really interesting. We can absolutely come back to it. It doesn't have to be, you know, this is not my place for sure. So I don't want to monopolize. But you said something interesting when you started to respond to me. You said, you know, I have to, I have to come up with the explanation for this. I and and this, is, this is something that happens a lot. Basically, what, what happens is a, a believer, not, I, and I've never experienced it on this stage. I want to be very clear that this is not something Nate or Steph or Chris or any of those people have ever done. But really bad faith actors will say, here's my hypothesis. If you don't accept it, you have to tell me how this thing happened. No, I don't. I am not burdened with that in any way, shape, or form. I'm not the one claiming to have knowledge of how this thing happened. I am happy, content, and, and perfectly okay with admitting that I don't know. It seems to me the burden is on the person who says, oh, I actually do know, and it's this thing. Anyway, that's my that's question. Uh, sure. Uh, Lamad, what's up, Lamad? Hey, good morning. How's everybody? Good morning. Hey, um, I was kind of, I just had, a, I seen the, the room, I had a question. Uh, says, ask a Christian. And yep. as I'm reading in the in the Bible, I'm noticing when I get to um, the law of Moses in Deuteronomy that God gave the other nations idols and gods to worship. Um, Is that a question? Yeah, I'm, I'm reading it in um, Deuteronomy chapter four, verse uh, nineteen. Now, I've, I've actually read it in a couple of versions trying to figure it out. Um, I've read it in the King James and I've read it in the GNT. Um, the King James, it seemed like he said all nations, but the GNT um, says other nations on the earth. Can you guys give me some? Did he give the other nations um, idols? and um, other gods to worship? Outside Let me of read that. Outside yeah. of Israel. Yeah. Like on my first thought, I guarantee he didn't give other, other nations God to worship like a good thing. The, off the top of my head, before I even look this up, I'm thinking, I wonder. 
if it's something like the New Testament, how it talks about people were reprobates and God sent them strong delusions because they were just so evil and invented new ways to come up with evil. Um, I wonder if that would be the context. But yeah, give me that uh, again real fast. It sounded like someone else wanted to say while I look it up. Deuteronomy yeah. what? Well, what was the verse? Four, Deuteronomy what? 419 through 20. Okay, yeah, go ahead if you want to speak. Yeah, so that, that passage parallels with um, with Deuteronomy 32 uh, when it speaks about uh, when Moses was telling the children of Israel how um, God, um, I guess, uh, 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 divided the nations according to the sons of God. You'll, you'll, you'll find in your translation, uh, most translations, uh, according to uh, the sons of Israel, but that's not a very good translation because Israel wasn't in existence at the time when he divided the nation and they were talking about the Tower of Babel um, when God divided the nations, you know, the tongues and so on and so forth. So um, so the idea is that uh, Israel is the portion um, of God and he, he gave the other nations under um, submission unto other gods. Now, the, the, the term God is, is really Elohim. So, you know, not not when, you know, when we think about God, we think about a certain set of attributes and things like that um, that we know should be applied to Yahweh. But the term is Elohim. It's just those that exist in the, you know, I guess an unseen realm, I guess you could say, as far as that's concerned. So they were given uh, under authority to these other beings within itself. So that's that's the concept, you know. So it's like the Deuteronomy uh, 32 worldview. It ties with with that um, that Deuteronomy chapter four. So he allowed the nations over um, them, you know, to one day come back and redeem the nations, anyways. But you know, he disinherited them, you know, at the Tower of Babel. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I'm following along with what you're saying too. I well, when I'm reading this in Deuteronomy, Israel was a nation. Um, and he's telling Israel, when you look up in the sky and see the stars and the moon, the sun and all those things, all the host of heaven, and you be, you should be driven to worship and serve. He said, don't do this because I've divided this to the nations. But you, I pulled you out of Egypt, out of the iron furnace. I'm just paraphrasing it to be a special people to myself. As I move on, I don't know if you guys um, uh, have read this in uh, Psalms uh, 96 and 5. It says, for all the gods of the nations are idols. You know, um, as you go into the uh, Apocrypha in Ecclesiastes 17 and 17, he said a ruler over every nation. But Israel is his portion. Nope. Hang on. Sorry. Can I step real fast? I believe just from looking at this, just from reading the whole thing from like the whole section from like 15 on, I think we're talking about gods It's referring to like heavenly bodies, like not, not like celestial, not like spiritual, but like it says it like in uh, back up to wherever it was. Well, yeah, 19, like when you get to the sun and the moon and the stars, that's what it's talking about. I mean, what Vangel said is fine too, if that was Vangel speaking, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's saying he gave all these bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars, to everyone, to everyone on the planet, not to be worshipped, not like gods, not like idols, but these heavenly bodies. I think that's what it's referring to as gods. There might be a, a reference you can understand in the GNT, D 
Do you, do you have that? I can have it. Like I'm, I'm reading it online, but I don't, I'm not familiar. I, I, I use the, the good news translation. If that's what I'm thinking of, it's, it's really simple. Like it's really simple and straightforward, but it's pretty much, it's very um, thought for thought, not so much word for word. So that, I don't know if that's tripping you up maybe. Uh, I'd rather have it word for word, but as I, like I said, as I go to it, he's explaining to the children of Israel, um, don't worship these things because I've given these things to the other nation. That's what I'm getting out of it. Um, well, yeah. So like the way I hear that, the way I read it and the way I heard it just now, what you said is, I mean, by the way, he's given them the sun and the moon, and the stars too. But don't worship them. So like the Israelites know not to worship the sun, the moon, the stars, these bodies. They know to worship the God of Israel, the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These other people, um, like other tribes throughout the world, would not necessarily know that. So they would be worshiping the sun, the moon, the stars, etc. That's the point. That's the point right there. I was trying to get you right to. Right. So no one should be doing that. Right. Absolutely. No one. No one should be doing that. Right. Correct. Let's go to Micah chapter 4 and start at verse 1. This is end time prophecy. Can I get someone to... I mean, we'll go there real quick, but can you tell us like your ultimate point? Like this is starting to take a little bit of time. Like what? Uh, what's the point you're trying All to... Right, I I didn't mean to take up the time. I noticed that we'll we'll disregard a lot of people will disregard the old test what we call the old testament and jump straight to the new testament and Paul's writings without understanding the old testament. And they'll say that this is for the whole world. But as we read through the old testament, I'm noticing that in end time prophecy, things that haven't happened yet. God is saying that I'm going to teach the other nations and they're going to learn of my ways. But in at the ultimate end is that the other nations will go back, verse five, for all the people will walk everyone in the name of his God. And we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God forever and ever. How can he be? How can I say it? How can salvation be for everyone and they're serving idols? It's not. I'm sorry. It's not. That, that's the answer. That, that, I, I, I agree with you. I, you have no argument. I'm listening. You can move on. I'm listening. I just hey. Listen, a, a a good article. Um, is is it Lamad? Is that how you pronounce it, brother? Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, a good article to read on there. Um, is is by Michael Heiser. Um, actually, I was just reading it today. Actually, that discusses um this particular perspective within itself and kind of puts it into its. Pr- proper perspective and how to understand certain things so um uh it, it was an article if you if you google michael heiser and mormonism he he addresses you know uh, uh latter-day saints for misusing his um um 
identity information um, uh, and clarifies certain points and so on and so forth. And he discusses in in in, in some real good detail in reference to the Deuteronomy 32 worldview and and uh, when God allowed the nations, uh, the rest of the nations to, uh, well, I, I technically all the nations to, uh, you know, according to the number of the sons of God or the, or, I, I, <clears throat> so they were given over to um, as as a, as a form of judgment because um, you know they this this happened at, at the Tower of Babel when they built the ziggurat, you know, and trying to you know as God or I guess pull God down for their own purposes and own reasons and things of that nature. So he gave the nations over, but then from those nations he, he you know he pulled out uh, Israel, and that was the portion that was his portion. You know, um, this wasn't like uh, I, I don't know if you if if your belief is that, um, you know, he gave them over to go worship uh, other beings itself is that I'm not sure if that's what you which what, what your premise is or how you understand the text to be communicated, um, which, you know, I would disagree in instance because, you know, worship only belongs to, you know, uh, Yahweh is the only object of true worship, you know, uh, the only object of worship that should be given to anybody, you know, since he is the actual creator and so on and so forth. But Michael Heiser, are you familiar with Michael Heiser's work? Uh, I've seen uh, uh, people uh, give excerpts on his uh, commentaries, um, yeah. but have I studied him? No, but I've seen a few things. He, he's a good resource to understand um, the arguments and um in that in that respect so despite if you accept his his, his uh, position or not um you know he's a good resource to actually understand what the arguments are and he articulates a lot of great points especially in this article um i, I can post it in the chat um if it's fine with nate um yeah go ahead you can actually, you can actually look at the um the actual article um so this this article is posted on 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 his site. So if you go down a little bit, it'll, it'll give you a link where it says, this is where, um, cause the Mormon church actually posted his article. <laughs> Funny, right. You know, uh, because some points kind of coincided, not really, it didn't coincide. At least they thought it did. And that's the reason why for the explanation and so on and so forth, uh, with some of their belief systems on, you know, and so they actually, you know, uh, published his article on their website. So it's, it's real, thorough article it disc it discusses a whole lot on what you're referring to now and brings a lot of clarity um so because because not understanding some of these passages especially you know um, deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 19 it, it, you can draw some wrong conclusions with it you may have some premises correct but you can draw some wrong conclusions to it you don't want to do that so he he, he kind of covers it i'll post it in the link it's a good article to check out um so yeah. Yeah. And I'm still just reading and I'm still just reading through this. And like wherever we're going, like one thing we can say with certainty is to try to use this verse to say like people can somehow be saved or worship other gods and that's cool with the God of the Bible. That would be wrong. Let's just like if you back up to context, right, to the verse one. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up on the hills, and people shall flow to it, and many nations shall come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, of Yahweh. So all the nations are going up to the mountain of Yahweh. 
So it seems they're on the same page. So let us go up to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. So it seems like all, all these nations are wanting to follow God. They're going to his mountain. Then for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their shor- swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they uh, learn war anymore, but shall sit un- un- but shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. And no one shall make them afraid for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. So up to right there, all these nations are following Yahweh. They're following the God of Jacob. So all of them. And then it says, for all the peoples walk each in the name of its God. Uh, but we will walk in the name of our Lord forever. So one thing we can we can say is no one's getting saved without God, even by this passage. Because up until verse 4, they're all going towards the God, Yahweh. Everyone. And then, so verse 5, like Daniel's talking about. Like, I think Heiser would be a good resource. Uh, to try to you know dig down into what that verse actually means, but what it definitely does not mean is Yahweh is cool with people not uh, not worshiping Him and worshiping other gods. Oh, I and you can I, get that. I, yeah. I agree. I that's 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 my whole point. I agree. You know, but I noticed that uh, the Bible's taught that all men will receive salvation, and I'm saying, how can these nations receive salvation? And they're serving other gods. Wait, who says that? Well, you hear you hear Christianity and and, and Mormonism and um, uh, Seven Day Adventists, um, Southern Baptists. You you hear a lot of them say, "Well, salvation is for all men." But uh, wait, are, are you saying when you hear them say that you think they're saying everyone will be saved or everyone can be saved? Everyone can be saved, but here I'm looking at nations serving other gods, even after they're taught the law in the last days. Well, yeah, but that's not, well, that's not a problem with, no, I wouldn't think that's a problem with them saying everyone's going to be saved. Like, I think everyone can be saved, but clearly that doesn't mean everyone will be saved. There are people who have died, you know, and people who will still die without Jesus and they will not be saved. So in theory, if everyone every in existence repented and called on the name of Jesus for salvation, every single person would be saved. But we know that's not the case. So yes, salvation is for everyone. Everyone who wants it can freely have it. You know, Jesus says he'll give to the person who's, who wants to drink from this river of eternal life free, without payment, just for asking, just because they want it. So anyone can have it. But because not everyone will want it, not everyone will get it. If I might chime in too, I would also say that Israel is is selected, you know, because we we think of Israel as God's people, but we don't we don't we don't always thinking about what the function of Israel was, and what his you know what what he what Israel was designed to do, even though you know obviously they're you know they're they're God's selected people, but Israel was the means by which other nations will come, you know, into the fold. Right, so he selected, you know, kind of like a, you know, a, a test stamp, not test stamp. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to use that word. There's, there's another word I, I can't get off the top of my head, but he selects Israel, and he uses Israel as the means to, um, to reflect Yahweh. So, you know, how God deals with Israel when the other nations watch Israel, um, they understand a certain aspect about Yahweh. When, when they're either 
when Israel's in rebellion or, or when Israel is in obedience. You know, when Israel's in obedience, they have all the blessings. The rest of the nations, like uh, there was a story, um, if if I'm not sure who, who, who's familiar with it, where um, it was, what was her name? Um, I think she was the one that hid the um, the uh, the Israelites. Um, she was a Canaanite uh, woman. Um, what's her name? It wasn't Hagar. It was, um, anyways, but uh, uh, when I figured out, I put it posted, but she was like, we heard of all the the great things that your God is doing. So it's like, you see somebody, picture you, you know, somebody's in the world and they're like, man, they see this Christian walking around and like, man, he's blessed, man. Something, what I want to know about why you have this. So it kind of draws attention to Yahweh within the self. So Yahweh, be, you know, uh, Israel became the means by which the rest of the world would be included into that fold, kind of like, kind of like a door within itself. And I believe that's why it says to the Jews first and to the Gentiles, it's like, you know, God re puts the Jews back, uh, you know, um, uh, together so they can serve their priestly function. And that's to bring the rest of the nations that were divided and spread out, you know, back into, you know, you know, kind of like a doorway back into a way where, you know, uh, they can come in alignment with Yahweh, but not, not the content. It's not speaking about they still worshiping other gods, you know, Israel becomes a, a, a source in which the rest of the nations can look upon and see God's great works and either, you know, fear and like, it's like when they came out of Israel, I mean, when they came out of Egypt, you know, they came out with a mixed multitude, you know, they seen the great works of Yahweh utilizing, you know, Israel and so on and so forth. And they were inspired to be, to, to give their allegiance away from other gods and actually start serving, you know, the one and true uh, uh, living God, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 hang on. I, w I wanted to jump to observant. Like we've, um, I, I think we've said a lot about this, but I wanted to give the other people a chance to jump in real quick. Uh, observant, did you want to say anything? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Nate. Yeah. Um, I just want to know about um, the situation with the church in America. I'm assuming you're U.S., right? Yes. So just before I... Okay, so um, how much influence does the church have on in America? Meaning that what I see it nowadays, it's it's becoming way weak. I mean, I can even see find these quote unquote rainbow churches, and so like, is there like a way? Like, what's your situation? What, what's the plan to kind of overcome that and not be uh, not have all of that nonsense shoved down your throats as "Quote unquote people of God and all that." Uh, well, I say first of all, the, the plan is not necessarily to overcome, and like uh, I mean, we should do as much as we can to you know preach the message of Christ. That's our ultimate mandate: is to preach Jesus and show as many people as possible. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> one moment. Let me die real fast. <coughs> is to share the message of Christ and teach as many people as possible how to have eternal life and salvation through Jesus, the true God. After that's done then, you know, the more people that believe that, the more they're going to change their own life and get in step with what Jesus says. However, you know, we're told over and over that this world is evil and it's going to be more and more evil until there's going to be a point when God's like, okay, we, he just had enough and then everything is going to end. So I agree, you know, the, the church, especially in, in America, um, what's it saying? It's like hard times make, uh, hard, like hard men and soft times make weak men, stuff like that. You see where the where the church is growing the most 
has always been where it's been persecuted the most. So like if you look at China right now, where people are being tortured and murdered for their faith, that surprisingly is where the church is like expanding and growing the most. Um, in America, I mean, I guess fortunately it's been nice and peaceful for a while, but to the detriment, it's been so nice and peaceful that things like this happen. Like, you know, they're like very easy about their faith and they're like, well, God's cool. And, you know, you know, all this stuff the Bible calls sin, that's probably fine too. And it's like people let their guard down, you know, give an inch, take a mile. I think that's what happened. Um, so as far as taking it back, we certainly should. We should not shy away from convictions and what the Bible calls sin. We should call out and we should say this is wrong. But ultimately, if people are like, I don't care what you call sin. I don't care about your God. I don't believe in your God. I'm going to do what I want. Well, that's their choice. Um, so, you know, our kingdom is not of this world. So that, that's the answer. So, yeah. So what you say, uh, yes, things are going way off track and it is disheartening. On the other hand, you know, Jesus says, you know, take heart. I've overcome the world. So that's the answer. But I agree with you. It is a sad state of things. People shouldn't be. So feel free to come to America and uh, the more the merrier. Yeah, but like um, what I meant is that maybe there will become a point where you're not even allowed inside of your church to say that's a sin. Like uh, say Adam and Eve, uh, not Adam and Eve, Adam and Steve, if you know what I mean. Or if you could say right. that if, a man cannot dress. Yeah, so you're being silenced inside of your church. It's not like, well, we're in America, you live your life, I live mine. No, they're going to go inside of your church and they're going to tell you what to do. Well, that's like, a, well, yeah, right. So when that happens, they're just going to, like, there will be those who undoubtedly fold, and that will be to their detriment, and who allow themselves to be silenced by a government over God. So that will be their deal they have to deal with. There will also be a lot of people who say, no, I'm going to preach the word of God. I don't care what you say. Like, I'll follow the rules of man as long as they don't conflict with the rules of God. So I'm going to follow my sincere religious convictions, and I'm going to say sin is what the Bible says sin is. Just like the pastor in Canada not too long ago. I don't remember the particulars, so if it's something egregious, then, you know, I'll back down. But it sounded kind of like what you're, what you're getting at. Like, this pastor um, got taken to jail because of, like, a, a hate crime or something like that, because he basically— um, as far as I understand, was saying that, you know, gay stuff is sinful and he wouldn't shut up about it. Um, and he got taken to jail. Um, if I'm if I'm a little wrong in that story, um, that's fine. But that's how I understand it. But no, the point remains, if that ever happens in America, and they're like, you cannot say, you know, gay stuff is a sin. Well, there will be plenty of pastors who continue saying that and plenty of congregants who will still say, no, the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. And if you want to take us to jail, fine. And I think at that point, by the way, where there's like real religious persecution and people are getting persecuted and like incarcerated for their religious beliefs. I think that may be a point where you see things start to turn in America and at least with the church and the church will get stronger and stop being complacent. Um, you know, the, the church that follows those convictions. So it's like, Thanks, you can't man. have one without the other. There's always going to be a tension. So if everyone gets along and everything's peaceful and happy, you're going to see, you're going to see the people who follow God take a hit. And it's like so easy and so lackadaisical that they're like their faith, not their faith, but like their, their convictions weaken and they get complacent. They get like fat and lazy metaphorically or literally. Um, and then when you see people persecuting it, you know, it's going to get rid of the chaff, like the people that are not true adherents, the people that are not really committed. Like, you know, Jesus says, you know, many fell away because they weren't of us. And like many said when he said, you have to eat my body and drink my blood, uh, talking about communion. Um, they say, that's a hard teaching. How can we do that? And they left. 
And Jesus says, you know, some people aren't meant for this. And that was too hard. So many of them deserted him whenever they heard that saying. So just like that, when people hear, uh, no, you can't say that. No, you can't practice your religion. Many are going to be like, oh, you're right. I, I want to get, I want to play nice. I want to get along. I don't want anything bad to happen to me. So yeah, I'll do as you say, government. Um, but then there will be other people like Daniel in the lion's den who's like, no, throw me in with lions. I don't care. I'm going to follow God. And that's when, yeah, you're going to notice the church of God um, really not backing down and growing, which is unfortunate that it has to take persecution to do that. But that, that's kind of historically the, the ebb and flow of it. I just want to say that I think that persecution on both sides is wrong. I think people should be able to stick to their strongly held religious convictions. Um, and, you know, I, I know I've said this before on this stage, but it bears mentioning again. Christopher Hitchens said once in a discussion, he said, people have these religious beliefs and you think it would make them happy. And it doesn't make them happy. They can't be happy till you believe it too. And so I, I think there's, I think there's, there's merit in that. You know, like if, if you want to have, and, and this is why I think like Nate, I think you and I could be neighbors and there would never be an issue. Uh, you know, do your thing, have your beliefs, you know, don't care, have your church, um, marry the couples you want to marry. Don't marry the couples you don't want to marry. Don't care. Um, you know, and, you know, and, and, and do your thing. Uh, I, I, I don't think that the persecution on either side is, is right or justified. Um, the, uh, the preacher in Canada that you mentioned, um, it was for, uh, it, it was, he was locked up for hate speech. Um, and he, he stuck to his convictions. He, he had the capacity, basically the, basically the, the, um, the crown attorney, which is like our equivalent to a district attorney. Um, the, the crown attorney basically said, look, like if you, if you just apologize, we're just going to drop the charges. And he, he didn't want to do it. Um, and so he sat in jail for a while. Um, I like, I like, it's a law in Canada. He violated the law. That's why he got locked up. Um, he could have made it easier on, easier on himself. I I think he stood by his convictions, and I there's a weird part of me that that admires someone for sticking to their convictions under such adverse con, uh, under such adverse um, uh, punishment. But whatever, if, if you feel strongly about something, feel you know do do what you think you should do. Um, but anyway, all that to my my long windbagged uh, answer um, is well, yeah, pers persecution is bad on both sides. Well, was it for uh, was it for like something as simple as just saying like gay marriage is wrong, or was he like you know like I don't know really like what was what was he actually doing? Since you're more familiar with this than me, was he just saying like homosexuality is a sin, or was he like saying like really wild things, or just like as simple as that? Like the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. So like, there what, is you, so, yeah, so there, there is there is news articles available. Uh, uh, CBC, which is uh, kind of one of our big news broadcasts, called the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Uh, you can find articles on there. Um, he he was. He wasn't just doing it within the confines of his church. He was doing it in the public square as well, which is where you know, "quote unquote" public square, which is which is where it violated Canadian hate speech laws. And, okay, and, so and, and that's where he got preaching. He was yeah, street that, preaching. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. where he got himself in trouble. So okay, so I, I yeah, I was just curious. Like, I, not I mean, not that it matters for for the jots and tittles, but I was wondering if it was like you know Westboro Baptist Church style, like God hates you know that, or like. Homosexuality is wrong. God has a better plan for your life. Like very kind and gentle hate speech, they say, or like, you know, <clears throat> very, very like, oh my gosh, even as a Christian, like you can word that nicer, bro. Um, that's kind of why I was wondering just for my own curiosity. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's wrong either way. You should be able to say whatever nasty, vile stuff you want. 
without fear of retribution from the government. Uh, that's my yeah, I mean, opinion. I mean, it's hard. I, I do think that there are. I do think there are. Like again, you know, hate hate crime is hate speech crime is a thing in Canada. <clears throat> Pardon me. And there are part like so. I don't. I personally don't have a problem with you know with soapbox street preachers. I, I engage with them. I go up and start talking to them. Um, and if they weren't there, I, you know, sometimes my days wouldn't be as fun. Um, but it, you know, it's we have you know we have laws in Canada. And they violated those laws. Um, but yeah, I, I think if a person is just saying, look, this is what the Bible says, like maybe it's what you said, Nate, this is what the Bible says, and we believe it's wrong. I, I don't think that reaches to the, the level of anything. Okay. If, Mike, if, I got if a question. Can I ask Baptist a question, Nate? Canada, I'm Canadian. Yeah. If Westboro Baptist came to Canada, yeah, I have a second. problem with that. Uh, yeah. Hang on. I, I wanted to call on Xbox because he was next. But yeah, uh, Observant, do you have a quick question? And then we'll get to Chris. Yeah. So if if an adult human male was dressing up like a woman and came to me and told me that I'm a woman and I tell, and I tell him, no, you're not. You're a man. Is that like a crime? Should I be jailed for that, Michael? Uh, I mean, that may be a larger discussion. I, I don't know. Canada probably has something about that to say. I, I mean, yeah, in America, America, as yeah. far as I know, yeah, in, in America, that that's not a thing. But I mean, in Canada, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, but I, I don't. Uh, that I, may be. A I don't know. I don't know whether that would violate our our laws or not. Yeah, but I'm asking just, like uh, you personally. Do you think that's like a hate crime or whatever you oh, named it? Or? No, I don't. No, I don't think so. No, no, I, I, I think it's I think it's I think it's insensitive, but I don't think it's a hate crime. What about a man that dresses up like a woman and goes into the elementary schools to the children to teach uh, reading? Uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with that either. What? Why? Okay, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on, hang on. We're gonna we're getting away from ourselves. Chris, did you have something quick to say? Because I want to cycle down the list real fast. And then yeah, we I wanted to, to ask you. Yeah, I wanted to ask a question about the Canadian preacher and the Canadian law. Uh, can Michael define for <coughs> sorry? Can he define for us what the hate speech uh, defines in Canada as, and what the preacher did that actually uh, went against the actual crime of hate speech? Instead of uh, because I know what happened, and he was just preaching that. That was a sin. How is that hate speech according to the law? Okay, well, I'm not a lawyer. Like I said, I read an article about it. If you have more information about it, I'm happy to be educated more about it. And if what you say is true, I'm, I'm happy to be corrected on that. I have no problem with it. Yeah, his name, well, yeah, I mean, his name is well, David Van. Like, well, I mean, it sounded like I, I thought we were all on the same page. Like he wasn't doing anything like super crazy. He was just like preaching outside of his church. So like inside his church, apparently it would be fine, you know, what Michael said, and outside the government says it's not fine. So I mean, it, it seemed like we're we're all kind of a, of the same thing. Like it doesn't seem like he was doing anything like super crazy. It just seemed like he was street preaching and saying that was a sin. Um, and which I think Michael also said should not be hate speech. I think most reasonable people would not. But real quick, Xbox, let's get through these people. And uh, not, you mean you you mean something? <laughs> You're not just <laughs> these people. But I mean, let's give everyone a chance to speak and then like continue this. But yeah, Xbox up. I don't yeah. want to form. A, I don't want to. I don't want to create an unholy union. But uh, Michael is our uh, good Canadian atheist friend here, and Michael Xbox is my good. I don't know where he's from, but atheist friend from Google Plus like a decade ago. So uh, if you guys haven't met, I, I hope I'm not like ushering in the end of times by by introducing you. Oh no, we've met. Both both of you. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. both of you are good people. <laughs> yeah, I think we've met recently at least, and I know we've met before. 
Yeah, I'm scared to talk because you're spreading that death around that you were coughing about earlier. I've heard like three people cough after you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I've had this thing forever. I don't know. This is probably how it ends for me. But uh, yeah, what's up? Anything on your mind? <laughs> no, not in particular. I, I think y'all have covered everything on, on the topic that, that you're covering there. I, you're hearing from from the Canadian side of it and from the, the U.S. side of it. You gave the U.S. side of it, uh, Nate, where, I mean, we we don't really care if people might get mad if you're, if you're out there in, in the public square um, yelling stuff like that, but it's not against the law here, and, and they're not going to arrest you for it unless you yeah. incite, <laughs> cite some kind of violence for people to go, you know, to these people's houses and get them kind of thing. So, and I mean, the, and the Bible, I mean, does have some, I think, decent wisdom. Like, uh, you know, I think it's in Peter somewhere. He's talking, he says, look, if you're going to basically, if you're going to get in trouble, if you're going to get taken to jail, make sure if you're going to be persecuted, make sure it's because of something Jesus related, not because something you deserve. So, like, you know, if you if you steal and you get caught and go to jail, don't don't be like, I'm being persecuted. You stole. You deserve to be in jail. But, you know, if you're like legitimately just like preaching, like, you know, Christ and the Bible and the message of Jesus and you get in trouble for that, well, then, you know, good job. You're unjustly being persecuted, and, you know, God's not going to turn a blind eye to that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, <laughs> so that should hopefully temper Christians. to be like, yes, preach sin, preach it with conviction. But if you're just, like, being an incredibly nasty person for absolutely no reason, like, you know, you can, you can call people to repentance, but if you do it by telling them, I don't know, just by freaking out and yelling and screaming, like calling them all kinds of, like, terrible names, um, I don't know. I mean, still shouldn't be illegal. But you're probably not doing Jesus any favors. So, you know, if you're going to be persecuted, let's make sure it's something actually Jesus-related, not because you're a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> um, Stephen, what's up, Stephen? How you been? I've been great. I'm just smiling with that some of the language that you use that sort of makes it fun, which is, bro, you have an easier way to share it than that, a nicer way to say it, and you're not doing Jesus any favors. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciate it. You know, one, one of the things I'm going to read before I ask my question is that this is when I Googled hate speech defined in Canada, it's expressed in a public, uh, it's, it's expressed in public way or place. It targets a person or a group of people with the protected characteristics such as race, religion, or sexual orientation. It uses extreme language to express hatreds towards a person or group of people because of their protected characteristic. Now that's so clear. You, there's like no ambiguity to that at all, right? None, zero. You couldn't, you can't use that. I'm joking. But no, I was gonna ask you about another, th another question, um, something totally different. Because uh, I didn't want to derail it on this. Uh, I'm, I, I have one of the pastors that I listened to. He posted this on Twitter. I was going to ask you what your take was on this on this particular verse. Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty. But from the strength of the oxen comes an abundant harvest. And what, what I what I believe I was taught taught this on this verse. And I'd like to know what you thought. And I'll read I'll read it one more time. But it's like the oxen clean for a verse in Proverbs where it says, "Where there are no oxen." The major is empty, but from the strength of an ox uh, come an abundant harvest. Proverbs fourteen four. What I was taught is that it's it, it it's related to the mess evangelists can make in a church, and that's like the modern day application is the mess that uh, you know evangelists can make in a church, and there's and it makes it messy, but. Through that mess, you know, the church grows. The messiness of evangelists and churches make the church grow. 
And uh, he said, well, you want to know who the messes are? Ask the lead pastor this question. Who are your evangelists? And then go up to those evangelists and say, who have you brought in? And see if they even they're even, they even allow evangelists because they say evangelism is so messy. It's like having a messy ox. They're going to leave a lot of junk in your church and leave lots of mess. <laughs> but I, I'd like to know your take on that verse, maybe another application. Your take on just that verse. Just love any, any thoughts you have. Love to listen. Can you read that verse one more time? Yeah, here's, here's, the verse. here's the verse again. It's Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4. Proverbs 14, verse 4. Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty, but from the strength of an ox comes abundant harvest. So what I was told is the ox is very messy. Like they, they mess things up. They're not, you know, it's like bull in the china shop type of thing. And, uh, but the manger is empty if without them. Like if there's no evangelists in your church, um, you're not going to have much church growth, but with them, you're going to have a lot of church growth, but there's going to be messes all over the place. Like, they, you know, evangelists are messy. They have big pride issues. They're typically great salespeople. They can, uh, the, the biggest mess I've heard is that the church, the, the lead pastors are afraid of them because the same person that can bring in uh, 10 people is the same thing, the same person that can take your 10 top tithers and have them in a different church next week. Cause they're, they're, they're so persuasive. Like the persuasiveness of, of, of the evangelist can be the, the same persuasiveness can fill your church as the same one that can take your top 10 tithers and suddenly their top 10 tithers are in another church the next week and you got a major problem that way or they take people and they can um they can take people out of you know the child care ministry and get them into something else and suddenly you don't have enough child care ministry people to take care of well, the kids so. yeah I, I mean i think that's a that's an interesting way to view it but i mean i mean if you just take it as it's written i mean the, the you can apply it to that, but that's like a you're being you're applying you're adding specificity to it. Um, where I, I think like reading it as it lies is you know playing it as it lies is that golf um, happy Gilmore yeah, like where there's no uh, you know where there's no oxen you know the the manger or the feeding trough is, is empty so no work is being done versus you know where where it is uh, where there are oxen and the trough is full you know work is being done uh, so yeah work is messy. So you can apply that to evangelism and say evangelism is messy. That makes sense. But you, you could also apply that to, you know, the broad spectrum of, you know, just any work. So like if people are, are if people are lazy, if people are absent, if people are not there, no work is getting done. So there's no food. There's no reason to have food where no work is versus, you know, if there's food, stuff is going to be messy. It's not going to be tidy, but that means work is actually getting done. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I mean, I would probably start with the broader interpretation of that just because it applies to more things. But I mean, I think, you know, as long as someone says this could be an applicable term, too, or applicable way to view it, too, then sure, I think it's fine. Like, I wouldn't say that's ex you couldn't say that's exactly what that means, but that's definitely a meaning. Yeah, I, I think, that both I think it makes sense. Right. There's, there's only like a <clears throat> primarily uh, a proverb of promoting the reward of uh, hard work. But, you know, and you can use it, apply it spiritually as you've done. Just as the proverb that says, look to the ant, you know, is a proverb uh, talking about hard work. But, you know, you can also apply it to the evangelist doing the hard work of his job, too. Super fun. I was just wondering if that was one of your, I, I just was coming in. Nate, thank you for your answer, too. I, I probably, you know, I just was taught this one way, not that it was the only way, but it, it was it was obviously it was a church benefit. I thought it'd be fun to talk to you and talk to you, Nate, and uh I just want to pop in and say hi. And that's all, that's all I popped in to say. I was asking you about this one verse, and I then I walk into the minefield. Of, and, and, and hello to all the Canadians. I get along with Canadians, and it was super fun hearing that conversation, too.
Nate, I was just stop popping and say, hey, and yeah, talk about that one verse. Friendly hello. Well, sure. I'm, I'm done. Well, I'm always, well, I'm always glad when you pop by. Uh, don't be a stranger. And yeah, I've never heard that about the evangelist, but yeah, I, I think I will remember that. But um, yeah, drop back uh, often as you like. Uh, let's see. Who is next in line? Uh, Shalom. What's up? Hello, family. Shalom and uh, love to the room. Uh, appreciate the conversation you guys are having, and may our eternal creator protect us and heal us uh, from this smoke that's going on right now and uh, increase us faith so that we can uh, witness to people. But, um, no, I just wanted to, uh, you know, add because I heard, you know, the conversation on persecution, and, uh, you know, we were warned that it's going to come. I think it's in Titus or Timothy. It says, all who live godly and the Savior will be persecuted. Um, and in Matthew 5, he said that you will be persecuted for his namesake, you know, his righteousness, his salvation. And so you're going to be persecuted without even focusing on specific sins. You know, like I think that's the gaslight that makes it more acceptable for them to persecute a believer. But you'll get persecuted just for preaching Christ because there's power in that name and that that faith that will change people. And that's why it's not even okay to just street preach in certain places because the enemy knows that and misery loves company and they don't want people uh, redeemed and delivered from certain lifestyles because they're going to have peace. And also more than anything, they're going to understand the way back to the garden. Uh, they're going to understand the way back into the eternal presence of the creator in Jesus Christ. Um, and it's interesting. I think brother that uh, Vanya was bringing it up earlier talking about the way to truth and the life. It's interesting because in, uh, you know, the Hebrew culture, looking at the tabernacle, the door into the outer court was the way. The door into the holy place where the bread and the candle was, was the truth. And then the door into the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, was the life. And so if you can envision it where the holy of holies is most westward, Adam and Eve were cast out east to the garden, but the way back to what was lost was the way, the truth, and the life, and that's Jesus Christ. Um, and so, you know, you, you you see that symbology there because, again, Israel was supposed to share this news with the nations that, hey, this is the way back to eternal life. This is the way back to the garden. And we, as believers, are to do the same thing. But rather than just pointing specifically to the tabernacle, we are to focus on the ultimate tabernacle uh, again, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, and that brings peace. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, you know, add that that was a good point that brother brought out and that, you know, this is a beautiful conversation that we're having because uh, we see persecution rising, not just in China, Canada, or in the Middle East, but it's, it, it's on our soil as well. And we just need to be encouraged and make sure we pray for each other and with each other on a consistent basis um, so that we can respond how the Savior responds. So what, what, and, uh, I just want to kind of drop in here. I, um, anyone who has access to a computer right now, you know, you're holding one in your hand probably. Um, just do a quick Google search of Young, uh, spelled uh, Y-O-N-G-E, Dundas, D-U-N-D-A-S, square in Toronto. And an image will come up 
of Young Dundas Square. It's kind of like a, it's kind, you know, it, it's it's a poor man Canadian version of Times Square in New York City. <laughs> a smaller version, but big open space where they'll hold like uh, concerts or uh, public speaking engagements, all kinds of stuff. It's one of the most common places where where people will go with a soapbox. It's it's almost equivalent to Speaker's Corner in uh, in Great Britain, um, where people get up there and they just you know talk about whatever it is they want to talk about. And having, you know, soapbox speechers, super duper common. When I have time and energy, I will go there to engage with these people. And it, it like, you know, you know, streets kind of, you know, commonly patrolled by police and stuff like that. Nobody goes in and arrests anybody, nothing like that. So I wanted to kind of dispel this, this myth that uh, you can't say boo uh, north of the border. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I... I think we kind of we kind of got that. Like at least my impression. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is if I went and preached, you know, on the square, uh, it would be something like, you know, Jesus loves you. There's a God. You know, follow this God. Repent. Believe the gospel. You know, the run of the mill stuff we say in here all day. That would probably be fine. If I got on a shtick and I'm like, the Bible says homosexuality is a sin. LGBTQIA plus BIPOC two spirit P um, is is not okay with God. God will, you know, there is judgment coming and you will burn in a lake of fire if you don't repent of your ways then I'm imagining someone would probably at some point come up and be like, hey, can't do that. And they're like, nope, Bible says this, I'm doing it. They're like, uh, hey, you really can't do that. Um, and they'll probably warn me a few times. And if I just stick to it, I'm like, nope, the Bible says it, I'm not backing down. Then I would probably find myself in a similar place to that pastor. Is that a reasonable understanding of what you're saying, Michael? Yeah, no, no, see, that wouldn't happen. It would be if you, you know, if, if you use that to either incite violence or to, um, you know, or to do something like that, but but you would not be because I've had those conversations in Young Dundas Square with people saying those things. So what that, did the pastor do then? I I, I don't know exactly. I don't know the wording that he used, but whatever he did violated the criminal code. So, okay, I, we're, I, we're I, all... I don't. Yeah, I, okay, I don't know what, I, Yeah, I don't know what it was exactly that, that he said. But if you said those things, you would not get arrested. Okay, I have two things to say. One, we're just all going to have to do a deep dive on the internet. Someone find out what this guy actually did or said, or how he said it. I, I'm generally, genuinely curious now. Secondly, I'm Michael, you should do a test. Put on your hat of a Christian preacher and go preach some of the stuff that you say you would not be arrested for and um, <laughs> test it. And then if you uh, actually get in trouble, like, no, no, I was just doing an experiment. I'm an atheist. Um, God is a lie. Um, that would be interesting to, to see how far you could push it before um, – you got like legal action taken against you. Yeah, that um, would be interesting. What I should do is I should wear one. I should be carrying a Bible, but holding one of my atheist themed T-shirts. Like that. That. That's how I should do it. If I'm going to do it, I got to do it right. I would love to um, do a live podcast while you're on site. <laughs> um, random. You're the last one who hasn't spoke yet. Um, what's up? Are you speaking? Uh, no, not really. Um, I, I, I heard the conversation going in a particular direction. And so I popped in and it didn't go in that direction. Uh, and so I, oh, well, maybe if you're talking about the conversation that I said, we'll get back to after everyone talks, I think we're to that now. Um, oh, except the guy left observant left. So maybe that isn't the conversation anymore. Yeah. I was the one that was asking about all the different configurations of like, if a guy in a dress guy in a school, that was observant, right? That I said, we'd get back to after everyone spoke or is that someone else? Okay, yeah. I think it was yeah, that was, now. Uh, it's going on in your chat. The discussion is rather than in voice. 
Oh, yeah, it seems like some salty stuff in chat. If you guys want to bring that over to voice, um, I can't keep up with chat, but if you want to bring it to voice, that'd be fine. I saw something about Matt Walsh or something. Um, I guess someone was offended by the what is a woman thing. I, I don't get it. It seems reasonable. I saw the documentary. It seemed seemed fine. Yeah, I think they're arguing between is, is gender a thing and and between sex and gender, are they linked and things like uh, that. I was, I was trying to follow that, and I was like, eh. Yeah, yeah, I was I mean, talking it, too. Uh, I was talking about uh, the laws of logic and uh, identity politics. And the first law of logic is the law of identity. You know, how can we not apply the laws of logic to identity politics? You know, the identity of uh, a man who claims to be a woman. You know, these things defy the laws of logic. Well, it's like kind of like the conversation. It's it's hard to have because people people sidestep. So like they'll, they'll sidestep, and whenever people talk about gender, it's traditionally understood that when you talk about gender, you mean biological sex, you mean male and female. But now, like people talk past each other because people will say, "No, no, that's biological sex." Um, when we mean gender, we mean you know some other construct, and and so it's like they'll. they'll I don't know if it's moving the goalpost or I don't know. Is that even a fallacy of some kind, Michael? But like now they'll say like they'll define gender in a way where it makes it okay to say it's not male and female because now they're 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 taking it away from biological sex. And they're like now gender is a construct of the mind or gender is, you know, some other amorphous thing that is not related to your anatomy. Even though when people talk about gender traditionally, that is the understanding. Like male and female, it is related to your anatomy. So if you say gender is not related to your anatomy, well, then instead of calling it gender, again, call it potato because you're just taking a word that's traditionally understood. You're giving it new meaning. So I could say, like, you know, there's no male or female in biological anatomy if I say biological anatomy is now just a, a figment of your imagination. And biological anatomy doesn't have to do with an anatomy at all, but it's really what color you prefer. Like, I, can, right. I mean, I can totally, like, I can stab the word in the heart and make it something completely else. But if yes, you want words that have integrity, yeah, yeah but yeah, if no, you want 100%. words to have integrity, then yeah, go ahead, Michael. Yeah, no, 100%. That's why, you know, that's why it's important to talk about definitions because words are polysemous, right? Um, like generally speaking, like sex speaks to biology, gender speaks to identity. Yeah, and in that case, I say, you know, whatever, My then I identify as an art mage billionaire. So now let's go talk about just, just give yeah if, if you can be that billionaire just make sure you send me some money. Um, okay, so I'm I, I only, be... well I, I only identify as a billionaire, so I, I actually, truth be told, am not, but Amen. I identify that way. Right. So so, so I found apply, uh... apply the laws of logic to this. You know the difference between sex and and gender. Then you know there is no di difference because talk about presuppositional apologetics the. Presupposition is that everybody agrees that sex is biological and there's a difference again between men and women, but not everybody agrees that, uh, you know, gender is a relative. So the presupposition is that, you know, we know the difference between men and women. So that's the law of identity, you know. So you so are a man or a woman. I, I understand that you're going to conflate those two. Uh, however, it's not nece necessarily the case that they are to be conflated. They are two separate words, and if you're going to say that they mean the same thing, then there's no point in them being two separate words, which is fine if that's how you're going to refer to it. But telling other people that they have to refer to those two words as the same thing, the same thing that you do, it doesn't really work out. 
Uh, people can use words and define words the way that they want to for good or ill. Um, so identity, the, the the laws of identity are not really applicable in this situation. Uh, if you're going to say that gender is this, sure, that's how you're defining it. If other people don't define gender as the same thing, then it's not it's not a case of uh, I, uh, law of identity. It's 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 using a different. Well, this is where you're wrong. You know the the law of identity is applicable in everything, or it wouldn't be a law. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so the law of identity refers to a thing that is being identified as a thing, and it cannot be not identified as that thing, right? So, so two people talking about a thing, they both identify it as that thing, uh, and then therefore it cannot be identified as another thing. This is this is overly simplistic, and I, and I apologize, but but that's the law of identity. It's not applicable to what you're saying. Right. It's like a rock can be a rock, but it can't be not a rock at the same time. Correct. I understand all that, but there are like three laws of identity. You know, they're not standalone laws. After that, you have the law of non-contradiction, and that's whenever gender contradicts sex. Okay, so I, I, again, I, I understand what you're getting at, but this seems to be an overly simplistic view of both gender and sex, uh, as defined sex being loosely defined uh, as male and female, which biologically speaking, to say that sex is purely binary and can only be one thing or another thing and only can qualify into two different little boxes expresses a, uh, a lack of understanding of how the biology works. Um, and then gender, there have been many cultures of the past that have not had binary genders. Like gender has not just been one of two things throughout well, all know, of uh, human history. The laws of yeah, identity so are supposed to be simplistic. You know, the third law of identity is that excluded middle so there is no middle choice you have to pick one identity or the other so since the presupposition is that the biology is of the sex is clearly defined it is wrong to go ahead and choose a, have a second choice of the excluded middle well yes so so exclude yeah excluded middle is in situations where it is binary right it is, this is a rock. Well, no, no, that's not a good example. My brain just left me on that, that example. But, but it, it requires things to be binary. It is either on or off kind of situation. So if it is on, it is not off kind of excluded middle. It can't be both. Or well, but then someone could say, and, and I only have so much bandwidth for this, um, but then someone could say it, it just becomes, well, what, what is binary? And someone could say, Okay, I believe gender is binary, therefore excluded middle applies. And someone else will just say, no, no, gender is, is not binary, it's fluid, therefore excluded middle does not does not apply. And you could just keep going on round and round until Jesus actually returns. Um, but I, I, despite my best efforts, um, I cannot find what this guy actually said. I don't think anyone even knows. It just says. I found it. Uh, the, the closest. Oh, okay, hang on one second. The closest I've been able to get is it says he quote shouted hate speech. Um, 
And so I mean, that that's all. So if he shouted, maybe it was a disturbance or something. But did you find the actual quote, like what the guy said? So yeah, no, sorry, I I spoke too I spoke too quickly. I wasn't. I yeah, I can't find the words. So basically, the only article I can find says, "Police and prosecutors has not have not offered details on the speech uttered." Um, but and see, that's is, sketchy. <laughs> I don't like that. Well, yeah, no, the government and, could and, just say that about anyone. Yeah, and the hard part is, is that I mean, like I mean, it obviously have so the details that I found online from CBC, um, basically say that. Um, this is his eighth charge. He like he was arrested for going to a a drag show. Uh, ba basically, someone in drag was reading at a public library, and he went there to protest. Uh, it was a condition of his bail that he not do something like that. So he was arrested for violating his bail. Oh, okay. Um, and. Yeah, he's he's got a, a a slew of charges, mostly for violating court orders. Like most of his charge, like so, he has his original charge, and then almost everything else is violating terms of his release. Okay, I wonder if violating terms of his. I, I wonder if all this because I could still see it if it was like you know persecution for religious beliefs. Um, if his original charge was because of sharing stuff about his faith. So like if it was for stealing and he can't do that, then I get it. You're, you're like doing something that you shouldn't be doing anyway. But I, I mean, I have a feeling like if, if all of his charges stem from his initial charge was because of this, because he was saying things, you know, against the LGBTQIA, BITOC2 Spirit Plus, um, whatever community, then I, I would still be like, okay, well, he's really following his convictions. So he is disregarding the law of man in favor of, you know, what he feels, feels is the law of God. So Kudos. If he wants to, you know, do that to himself, good yeah, job. So, he's obviously very sincere in what he's doing. Yeah, sincere <clears throat> enough to also have um, uh, convictions for aggravated assault. Um, he also, his, so his last name is, all it gives is his surname is Reimer. Um, he, was, he was charged with showing up in an LGBT event, uh, pushing, uh, so he's charged with assault for pushing past parents, uh, and then shouted homophobic this is i'm reading this off here um, this guy sounds homophobic pretty, this guy sounds pretty based like I, I don't know yeah i'm just i'm just i'm just reading what it says here it says um he allegedly pushed past parents to get to the front of the room and then proceeded to shout homophobic and transphobic slurs um at the organizers of the event uh was charged with mischief he was then granted bail a second time uh, and then went back and did it again and then was arrested again. Um, yeah. So this has happened like eight times. So, yeah. and I want to get to you in just a second, yeah. Fred, but yeah, Michael, I'd say and anyway, um, that's yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to take up. Some oh no, that's fine. Um, I just want to get to Fred real quick, but, uh, I would just say, yeah, right. Like I, I'm very, I'm very, uh, skeptical. <laughs> Does that surprise you to hear? But just in general, I, I, I'm a skeptical person. So like, you know, if it's shouting, uh, you know, slurs, it's like, you know, whatever a slur would be that's not just like homosexuality. Homosexuality is a sin in the eyes of the Lord. If it was like legit, like some kind of like vile slur on top of all kinds of other stuff, then that would not be good. Um, and also like the aggravated assault. If he's like kicking moms and children out of the way and punching them, then that's bad. If he's just like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, and like nudging past like anyone would do in like in a, a waiting line or in a movie theater line or something like that. Well, then, you know, that's overstepping and that's fine, too. But if he's like knocking babies out of the way to go shout like vicious, vile things, 
then you know I get the point. Um, but if he's if he's just like you know how you would do it, like if if we're like here's the script, go do the script, and it's like get past these people, and you're just like oh excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, and then it's like okay say these words, it's like uh, this is a sin in the eyes of God. Then I wouldn't see a problem with that, and I think he's unjustly being persecuted um, versus the other thing. But Fred, what's up, Fred? Yeah, I, I would agree. Hey, how, with you. Hey. Yeah, he hey, also has an allegation. He also has an allegation and Sorry. conviction of animal abuse. So that's interesting. So what's the topic of the room? Uh, we're open for a new one if you have one, if you like. Okay. Um, and I see a story. Ask me. a Christian. We've got answers. We hope. Okay. Uh, yeah, what's can up? Somebody, can somebody read the chap the the Deuteronomy seven chapter? The whole chapter. I'm at the gym. Uh, it's yes. Would long. you would you read the whole Bible for me, real quick? <laughs> if I can cough <laughs> along the way. <laughs> All right. Let's, I mean, let's see how long this is. Now, what's your question about the entire chapter of Deuteronomy seven? Well, the question I have. Is why are why are Christians so weak? Okay, so weak as in what? There's 26 verses. It's quite a thing. And okay, if we're talking 26. about Deuteronomy, if we're doing Deuteronomy, this would I'm thinking your question would be like, why are Israelites so weak? And this is talking about how Israelites like went like you know like went full boss on someone, and you're saying why aren't Christians doing that now? Well, okay, we you want to we want to go to the the you want to go to the New Testament thing. Oh, I was just ask, asking. Oh, I was just asking what your uh, what your where your question is going. So, so the so so the the Christians that were in the 1700s or the 1100s or the 600s, those are not the Christians that we have now. Okay, let's just get that right out in the open. We live in a, a society that we like to call civil, right? It's anything but civil. We like to say it's a <laughs> the 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 tin foil hat people want to talk about a new world order. <laughs> well, it's it's anything but new, and it's short on order. That's what I, that's what I would tell you. Okay, so the, my question is, why are Christians so weak? Well, uh, so looking at Deuteronomy seven real fast, how it's talking about how you know God's going to give you this, go in and like destroy everything. I get that, and then talking about no, Christians. He, he, the, hey, he specifically had. He specifically named out like seven or eight countries. I mean, it's not seven or eight countries, but seven or eight tribes, seven or eight people groups, right? And then he said, hey, you're going to go to war with these people. And oh, by the way, oh, I, get, I get where you're going. Oh, by the way, oh, by the way, um, there's going to be times when it's going to look like you're outnumbered, you're outmatched. And oh, by the way, you're going you're gonna, to, if you don't call on my name and you don't take action and annihilate these people, Guess what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the the uh, punishment on you. So here's the thing: there's two things that happened in the United States. We took God out of schools. We allowed gay people to marry. Okay. We did those things, and God is pouring out His wrath on this nation. You know what? You can say whatever you want about the other nations and how evil they are. Um, the transgender weirdo crap it's not happening in a lot of these other nations it's happening in the west why is that okay so why are christians so weak um ultimately i think the bible answer is the great commission you go tell people 
go make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, you know, if you go to these people's houses and they want to hear what you say, they want to hear about Jesus, then stay with them, disciple them, tell them more. If they don't care what you have to say, if they don't care about your God, then shake the dust from your feet as a testament against them. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So when people say something like, when people say something like, well, you, you got to love your neighbor. You got to love these people. And, and love means I have to actually not love them and go to war and murder them unless they convert because I love them so much. Well, that's, that's not the definition of love we have. So the definition of love is as humanity, you respect them. You respect they're still made in the image of God, no matter how disgusting or vile of a lie they made out of it. Um, and what you got to hang on, I got to mute you. You're breathing really heavy while you're working out there. That's distracting. But uh, sorry, buddy. So anyway, that, that's, so anyway, that's the answer. That's my answer. So I will tell people all day long, but if someone wants me to like physically fight or go to war to convert people, that is outside my view of God because that's not what Jesus says. He says, shake the dust of your feet. This is not our home. Our kingdom is not of this world and you should expect persecution. So that being said, he says, you know, render to Caesar what Caesar's. Our Caesar in America allows us to vote. So I will vote my conviction based on the Bible and, you know, wherever that applies, that's what I'll do because um, that's what my Caesar says I can do. Um, in other countries where we're being persecuted, we just talked about this before you got here, but where persecution against the Christian church is the strongest, uh, that's where you see the church of God rising up and being the strongest. That's where you see the most fervor for God. That's where you see the most growth for the church um, and where it's not being heavily persecuted, which we're starting to get tastes of that. So we'll see where this goes in America in a few more years. But um, I think if we become like severely persecuted, that's when you'll see things turn, and that's when you'll see people following their convictions and get a lot more serious about this. But in the meantime, yeah, this sucks. Like you have people, um, you know, people talk about like all these, you know, all these other churches and like you know the, the rainbow churches and all these things that are very clearly going against what the Bible says. Um, you know, for however reason they justify it or they just don't care. Um, and I think that's to the detriment because it it, it it's like, yeah, I mean, I agree with what, a lot of what you said, but any like taking up arms or forcing converts or something like that which people did in the 1700s is grossly against scripture and grossly against Christ. Um, the last thing I'll say, I, I love self-defense. I think that is all throughout the Bible, you know, where Jesus says, uh, sell your cloak and buy a sword. Is that to, to uh, fend off robbers? Is that to kill if necessary? Is that to fight off animals? Is that to chop down trees? It doesn't go into detail, but it is my religious belief that yes, yeah, self-preservation is just fine. So, you know, if somebody threatens my or my family's life, then I am all about defending myself with reasonable and necessary force. Well, thank to stop you for that. But, but I'm not going to be the primary aggressor. Okay. Um, where I would, I, I agree with most of everything you said. Okay. But I would take Christians to, to task is we don't even have the, we don't even have the courage to say you're gay and that's abhorrent. Like when somebody comes out the closet, we don't have to. We don't have to. We accept them. We love them where they're at, right? And here's the thing, right? I'm all for getting to know people and being friendly and and all that, right? We could do that, but we're, we're supposed to, in my view, people are supposed to tell you the truth. Like your friends tell you you're fat. Those are your real friends. Your friends don't tell you to eat cake and watch Netflix. Those aren't your friends. Right? We're just not. But we live in a society now where we're all about our feels. We live in a microwave society. We want it now. Fred. Right? And we're spoiled and we're entitled. I'll, I'll leave it there. Fred, hey. can I ask? Well, uh, yeah, give me one second. Um, uh, there's something I want to touch on. Hang on. Give me, give me a second to remember. Um, 
Yeah. So, so personally, I mean, I think, I think most of what you said is, is in line with my thinking that yes, you, you don't want to lie to someone. I mean, if you truly believe in a God who's going to judge people, you, it would be the most unloving thing is to know, to believe something is wrong or sinful and going to keep Thank it from you. God and, and, and not tell them like what better way to be a terrible person and send your fellow man to hell when you could just say something is sin. Uh, that be, and so, yeah, if someone's like, Hey, I'm gay. Is that okay? Not in the eyes of God. Um, the other side of that coin is, uh, you know, primarily being gay or being trans or something like that. That is not the ultimate thing that's going to separate them from God. Uh, them separating themselves, them rejecting Christ is going to be the ultimate thing because if someone's like, oh, I'm gay. Okay, well, that's a sin. Okay, well, I, I don't want to do that. I'll stop being gay. Um, but they're still going to hell for, you know, a thousand other things they've done. Uh, the lie they told in second grade, the cheating, the stealing, anything else. So ultimately, um, I would, before I talk about them being gay or trans, unless they're just like in my face, like, hey, I'm gay. Is that a sin? Well, yes. Um, and this is why. And then tell them the gospel. But all things being equal, if uh, if someone is a, is a liar, a murderer, a thief, an adulterer, uh, you know, some, uh, a gay person, and I don't know anything about anyone, and I have one thing to say, I'm not going to talk about stealing is wrong. I'm not going to talk about being gay is wrong. I'm going to say, hey, you all need Jesus. And then for those that are like, oh, tell me more. I want to know more. Um, I'm like, okay, well, tell me a little about yourself. Here, here's what's going on. Here's the gospel. Repent, believe, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Be born again. Repent. Stop doing what you know is wrong. How do I know that? Well, here's the Bible. It tells you. Um, the Holy Spirit will convict you and guide you, too. So look at the Bible, and the Holy Spirit will line up with your convictions. So if you're doing these things, like if you were a stealer, stop that. Work hard so you can share with those in need. If you're a homosexual, and he says even, you know, some of you people were these things. So stop that and get with God's plan for your life. That's what I would tell them. And then to the person who's gay or any other sin, and they're like, okay, well, I heard what you said about Jesus. I don't care. I have my own God, or I don't want a God, or I don't care about Jesus. Well, at that point, being gay mean, means nothing because you're going to end up in the exact same spot. So step one, repent, believe the gospel. If you don't care about Jesus, if you don't care about our God, then live your life however you want. Um, you know, it, if you, you're liable to God. Um, that's that's what I would say. You want to respond real fast before whoever else wanted to jump in? Yeah, he he left. But oh. Nay, I, I would love your to hear your interpretation of Romans thirteen. Is that that's what you were referring to? You got to give Caesar what is Caesar. Maybe for another day. Maybe if I'm here tomorrow. Oh well, you know, what about I, it? I can ask you that question. So in verse, okay, Romans thirteen verse three, it says, "For rulers." Oh, no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. So essentially what, what Paul is saying is that these rulers have been established by God. But the way he's describing these rulers is that they're just and godly and they're punishing people that do what is wrong and rewarding those that do what is right. But I would argue that, you know, the people that we do have running these institutions, they are evildoers. So I, I, I just don't see how that's compatible with what Paul was saying here, right? Well, I think, that, well, no, I mean, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I don't interpret it that way at all. Like I see like, you know, if people like no one, no one really forms a government. Maybe there's an example of wanting to form an evil government. But generally speaking, when societies form governments, it's never with the intent to have evil leaders at the top. It's always, it's always the intent that they will be fair and they will be just and, and work out justice and dole it out fairly. Like that, that's, typically what's understood by, by how governments are set up. So that's what I think Paul's talking about. Like, of course, like, you know, they had examples of evil rulers who were persecuting Christians, who were persecuting, you know, the Jewish people, um, even like uh, uh, 
you know, before before Christ. Like you had evil rulers and the Canaanites and Malachites, and they had their systems of government. And, you know, Paul certainly wouldn't say they're good. So they know there are good and evil rulers. Ultimately, I, be I believe like he's explaining the traditional understanding, like whenever these governments are set up, it's with the idea of, of being good and being just and keeping order. But ultimately, even if there is evil rulers, they're only there because God allows it. Just like, you know, people say, why is why is this not the best possible world? Why is there evil in the world? Why is there sin in the world? Well, because God allows it. So it doesn't mean he's happy about it. It doesn't mean he's he um, you know is willing to. But it doesn't mean he's divinely willing to like prophecy, how he says, you know, Jesus will return and this will happen. He's not willing to exercise authority, I believe, over man's free will and dominate them into, you know, having a perfect world and having a perfect government. I believe he's willing to tolerate, uh, just like uh, Peter, Peter, uh, what is it, like 2 something, I think, 2.12 or 1.12. Somewhere in Peter, it talks about God's not slow in keeping his promise, but he's patient. He's exercising patience, wanting everyone to come to repentance, because there's going to be a day when that doesn't happen, and that's really going to suck for all the people who have not come to repentance. So if God is being patient with evil rulers, even though the ideal, the way government is supposed to work, is people doing the will of the people and to people doling out justice and people keeping a civil society. Um, for those who don't, there's time for them to change. And for the ones that do, good. That's what God's allowing. For those who don't, they're going to get theirs in the end. So it's, it's no different from people than governments. So I, I would say it's exactly the same. So like evil people who are never going to repent, it's the same, the same. God is allowing evil to continue to happen for all the people who will repent and change, just like government. The evil people in government, like I, I agree with you, it's being run, depending on the government we're talking about, <clears throat> is being run by a lot of truly evil, like actually like theistic Satanists, I believe. And then depending on, you know, like some where you go to get your information, you know, it's not unreasonable to think that even outside of our layer, our highest layer of government, there are outside influences above that, you know, from other people in charge, whether fame or status or whatever. So we really don't know how deep this goes. All I would say is it's the same answer um, for evil people. God is giving a chance to repent. God is allowing these rulers to stay in charge. And if any of them, like you, you'll hear whistleblowers every now and then who are like, I, I have to get out of this. Like this, this has gone too far. This is insane. I can't believe this is happening in our government, depending which government we're talking about. And then they'll blow the whistle on something like shocking and appalling. So that's a person who got out. That's a person who perhaps is repentant. Um, that's what I'd say. Okay. Uh, I appreciate that. I was always a little bit confused when I would read, you know, Romans 13. Didn't believe it was compatible. But the way you broke it down about these government authorities being God-established. So they're supposed to be holy in, in concept, but they're still going to be evildoers that take these positions. So it's really for the righteous to have these positions and to use a sword. So I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. And I, I wouldn't necessarily say holy though, because um, you know, there's not supposed to be a theocracy. So it's not, um, these rulers shouldn't, it's not saying these rulers should all be like Christians and you know, force that as a religion or anything like that. It's just saying it should be like materially just. So not, not like in a spiritual, spiritual sense, because if you're not a Christ follower, well, you know, it doesn't matter what government you have. You're, you're not, you're in a spiritually bad place. But you can be, for example, I don't know, a, a good moral atheist by human standards, by secular standards, and still be a, a fair person to, you know, govern a territory fairly, um, you know, and keep evil down and keep crime down and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with your response, um, except I would just say uh, not necessarily holy, but fair. Like how, how you would typically say fair and just in a secular society, 
um, without trying to like force a religion on someone. Okay. Yeah, I would disagree on that last point. Uh, I guess we can agree to disagree. Sure. I appreciate the question. But uh, yeah. anyone okay. else have any quick thing to say real fast? I am going to have to run. My time has come. Yeah, Nate, I found out what uh, – remember that the, – the, so that pastor, um, when he uh, he wouldn't be released from jail, uh, he, he said he wouldn't abide by his conditions of release. The conditions he was giving the, – these were his two conditions for his bail release – he was not permitted to have contact in person or over social media with anyone who identifies in the LGBT community. And he was not allowed to attend or be within 200 meters of any LGBT community event. And those are the things that he said, the conditions he said were, quote, impossible to satisfy. That's why he stayed in jail. But he's out now, right? Uh, no, he's back in. No, he was, he was arrested again for violating his, his, uh, his bail. He's back in court uh, actually today on Thursday. He's back in court today. Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, I, I guess back to whenever, whenever you were talking about the conditions of his bail that he wouldn't agree to, um, did they finally just say, okay, even though you're not going to agree, just get out of our jail and kicked him out anyways, and now he got himself back in trouble? Or yeah, so he was released. Yeah, so so basically they said, you know, basically, you know, agree to these conditions. He said no, so they released him on a three thousand dollar bond, um, and then he reoffended again. So now now he's facing fines of up to. There are apparently six offenses that he's um, alleged to have committed, and each one carries a fine of, a, of up to $10,000 each. Well, he's going to be poor. Or possible jail time. <laughs> well, we should, uh, we should keep an eye on that and see if we have any, any updates for tomorrow, seeing how this court day goes. Well, yeah, and that's the kind of stuff Jordan Peterson was you know, railed against was uh, the Canadian government being able to control the words you say and the voice you say it and and things like that. And I, I agreed with him on that. I don't agree with him on a lot of things, but being from America, I agree with him well, completely on that. Like that, well, everyone, that pastor shouldn't be in jail with $10,000 bonds for, for that. Well, thanks for the discussion, Xbox. It's always nice to see you and everybody else. Thanks for the uh, topics and discussion. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Later.